in the past few weeks, we've heard considerable talk about a new BRICS currency that could potentially challenge the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency, or at the very least, provide an alternative. This represents a significant realignment in geopolitical forces, helped, of course, by talk that up to 80 countries are lining up to join BRICS. How viable is a BRICS currency and what does it mean for South Africa and the world? We're joined by Adrian Pask, Chief Investment Officer at PSG Wealth, to shed some light on this issue. Hi, Adrian. It's not the first time that we heard talk about the possible creation of a BRICS currency. Why do you think this has made the headlines recently? Well, I think it's predominantly two reasons. First being tensions with the U.S. and China and Russia. So the China-U.S.-Russia tensions haven't been you know, anything new. China tensions escalated significantly during the, the Trump administration and obviously recent developments in, in Russia as well. So a lot of this talks to um, what they call the so-called weaponization of the dollar. So essentially what that means is they've imposed sanctions and essentially dollar usage is, is not allowed by the Russians. So that kind of behavior is really applying a lot of pressure on those two emerging markets in particular. But I think that the second reason would be more broader um, emerging market stresses. So the very strong dollar in what's been a, a risk-off environment has really applied a lot of stress on, on emerging economies. I mean, the U.S.'s reserve currency for the world, that stems from the petrodollar where all oil transactions are handled in the dollar, and that's recycled back into the U.S., bond markets and treasury markets and so on. What would you say are the requirements for a reserve currency that comes out of the BRICS alignment? Yeah, I I think the important thing to remember is is what's the purpose of of the reserve currency first. And in general, what you're trying to achieve is some efficiencies on trade. So you're trying to put a central currency down and have sufficient reserves so that you can have speedy trade across various regions. That's the one component. And then obviously the same sort of concept would translate into how investment and settling of debt obligations are are treated as well, again, with the aim on efficiency. But more broadly for investors, obviously, whatever you use as a reserve currency, if you're going to hold a lot of that on your balance sheet, it needs to be credible and it needs to be trusted. And and that's the really key elements that I think should feature in, in the discussion now. So if you think of the U.S., at the moment, it's a it's a stable democratic system, relatively stable um, and mature economy. They've got very good governance, uh, very reasoned fiscal and monetary policies. That's quite transparent and, and and well regulated. And more importantly, the economy is globally free and open to international trade, which are some of the substantial differences that we can extrapolate into the BRICS environments, which often are characterized by absence of of those characteristics. seems that BRICS is a long way from where the U.S. is if they're going to have a reserve currency of their own. But why do you think these emerging markets want to move away from the U.S. dollar? Well, as I said, I think the first thing, um, obviously, between Russia and China, I think they've seen the power of the dollar and, and they felt it through the, the weaponization side of things and the sanctions, uh, in particular not, not Russia. But I mean, China wouldn't be exempt from that if the, the tensions there were to, to escalate. But I think the other emerging markets and, and even more broadly than the BRICS countries are, are quite keen on looking at this as, as well, because the dollar has just been so strong and the ramifications through the emerging market economy is, is quite severe. 
So firstly, it impacts the current accounts, um, especially if the prices of exported goods are under pressure. Um, so importing goods become increasingly expensive if your currency is relatively weak and the offset that you get from exports have less of an impact. That thing means that you're ultimately um, importing some inflation. And then obviously we've seen what's happened now with inflation and how monetary policy is adjusted to compensate for that and try and correct that. So looking at, at higher policy rates and, and then subsequently as, as the economic cycle goes, you, you're looking at a, a strain on, on a GDP. So growth becomes a problem. The other thing that's happened through COVID, of course, is, and this is something that we've spoken of before, is the high levels of debt. So most countries are heavily indebted, but the problem is if your currency weakens, as most emerging market currencies have against the dollar, that debt becomes increasingly expensive to, to repay and you ultimately uh, risk potentially defaulting. Um, so those are some of the, the more significant ramifications on EMs. I mean, 84% of the world's trade is done in the US dollar, So, and, and that's been that way for a long time. Do you see that this 84% under any kind of threat and why would these emerging market countries want to start using the Chinese yuan or even a BRICS currency? Yeah, I think in reality what we've seen is uh, from a dollar reserves perspective, um, the dollar has receded now for uh, since the late 90s actually, just due to increased globalization, uh, financial development across the globe. Um, has paved the way for easier entry of alternatives. Even if you look at, at the euro, for example, has also started to take a bigger share of, of global reserves over that same period. So I, I think we're very likely to see the dollar reserve currency status deteriorate in terms of how much reserves are being carried in, in dollars. And we can definitely see some pickup across some of the emerging markets as they start to play a more significant role, but you've got to ask how realistic is it for a, a BRICS currency to ultimately dethrone a dollar as the primary reserve currency, and I think we're still a very long way off from that, but it can definitely contend against something like the euro, for example. I think that's that's probably more more realistic thing to try and achieve. The, the problem is as soon as you start to implement cross-regional policy, it comes with a lot of complexity. Uh, the policies that are, are deployed or implemented in each of these regions can differ quite significantly, um, as well as the different economic backdrops. So the countries are quite different in terms of how they generate their GDP, how they manage their currencies, their interest rates, and their inflation policies. And the level of integration required is quite complex. And then you've got to think, are the benefits really worth it? Um, if you could, even in the prevailing environment, just carry more of the individual BRICS currencies as reserve if that's what you want to achieve. There's no reason that you would want to consolidate that um, that would really justify the administrative burden, in, in my view. So it seems that the BRICS currency is, is not an immediate threat, but probably going to be coming down the pipe sometime in the next decade or so as an alternative to the US dollar. What does this mean for investments? So I think from my perspective, I think it's a good development because it forces um, the hand of some of these emerging markets to adopt more global investor-friendly policies. So some of the constraints that we've seen in China, for example, is that the growth is fantastic, but the governance is at times a bit erratic, and, and so too the, the regulations that come through. And also the currency isn't 
even fully convertible at this stage. So those are the things that they will need to to refine and improve on. So I think it, it prompts uh, important changes in, in some of the emerging markets, which will ultimately mean that they would become ideally more transparent, more convertible, more integrated into the financial system, offering investors um, more security and ultimately more alternatives into some of these high growth environments. So I think it could be quite positive, but it does definitely comes down to how effectively they implement these changes because it could translate into more turbulence as opposed to what they're after is for more efficiency. So I think like most plans, it will come down to the implementation side of things that will ultimately determine its success or failure. Adrian Pask, Chief Investment Officer at PSG Wealth. We're going to leave it there. Thanks very much, Adrian. Thanks, Kieran. I appreciate it.